What I'd like to do is spend a few minutes sort of letting you get to know me and some of my history, which actually goes back to this church when it was Grace and, and I had a different home. I think this is the first time I've actually been here. Um, and I remember when you guys were coming together. Um, but I thought I'd do a little preliminary in case I find myself back here at some point in time sharing the word. But after today, you may make sure that that never happens again. <laughs> but um, my history goes back to 1971. And um, I doubt many of you would know Dave or Donna Brown. But uh, that was back in the days when I was just coming out of high school and drugs were flowing freely and lots of stuff that I was involved in. And I had a buddy, Rick, who just passed last year. And uh, his girlfriend was a Christian and she kept bugging him and bugging him. Come to this, this it's not a Bible study, it's just sort of a, a group study where we talk about Jesus. Well, it really was an evangelistic outreach Bible study. I didn't know what that was. And uh, so um, finally he, he dragged me on and says, look, I, I, why don't you come with me? So please forgive me, but I, I went stoned <laughs> with Rick. And we laughed and we hawed and, and we, we had a good old time. But what's very, very important to note was Dave, and he was, you know, he was just an Ivy Leaguer, and he had the jacket and the tie and all that deal. And by the way, where's Ben at? He didn't tell me I could come with a polo today. <laughs> Man, I'm in this monkey suit. But anyway, um, and, and it will help me lead off the message this morning. This is a preliminary thing we're doing right now. But uh, he spoke the word of God. In such a way that I'd never heard it before. And he was doing an evangelistic Bible study through the Gospel of John. Well, I had grown up as a Lutheran. I had been one of the earliest kids to go through confirmation. I had two years of confirmation uh, class, along with, because I was the youngest, and my two sisters and my brother. And uh, excelled at that intellectual piece, if you will. But I never heard... At any time, even though in their mindset, the uh, evangelical churches over by Little Creek considered itself a missionary church and it was evangelistic in nature. But I never heard what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Never. And God was still a God out there. And I believed in that God that was out there. But as far as my everyday living, it, he was not relevant. And the fact that I grew up with a weekend alcoholic father didn't help. And so when I got to high school, finally I said, you know, I've, I've had enough. And I won't go into great details, but we had very violent times at our house because of that. And I suffered under that. And it was like, God, if you're really there, I don't see you. In fact, all this is just a contradiction. So I walked away from it, which leads me back up to Rick in this evangelistic Bible study. And they began to share the word of God in a way in which I'd never heard it before. And I was stoned. But you know how you can be out of it, but you're in it and you're kind of listening a little bit. You don't want anybody to know, right? But you're listening. And I left there 
And God had, through his word, touched my heart in different ways. And I began wrestling with questions I'd asked myself a long time earlier. And uh, then I got invited to come back. And I decided, you know, I'm going to come back. But this time, I came back with questions. And I dominated to study that night. I had all kinds of questions, and I was sober. And again, it came back to me, because he was saying in terms that I had not heard and talked about his wife and his growing up and how important his relationship with, with Jesus Christ was. And, and I just was like, is that possible? Can I know Jesus as a friend, still God, but that he cares about me? Really? And uh, he put Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 in my mind. And John 1, 10 and some other verses in Romans 3, 23 and 6, 23. You know, where we're talking about how to be, embrace that relationship with God. And there's, there's no works, there's no things that I can do to get myself into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, that all of us are sinners, right? But we're saved by grace, not by works. And so I had one night where I had a, I had a place. I, and let me back up just a little bit. I was so frustrated at home that when I graduated, I had a job lined up, I had an apartment lined up, and I had bought a car. And the very morning after my graduation, I said to Mom and Dad, I'm gone. And I had no intention of ever looking back. And so this engagement a little bit down the road with Rick, that was later. And I partied. And that's why I, I go to this text this morning, the prodigal son, because I was the prodigal son. Only I didn't get any inheritance. I was all on my own. I was a drywall hanger, a little bit of a roughneck, about twice the size I am now when I got to hang and rock, because if you hang rock for any time at all, that's how you get. And it's just like having paid for a workout every single day in your life. And... Uh, but then this thing happened to this Bible study. And that one night, early November, and it was kind of cool and kind of rainy. And it was at my place at the beach. And I had taken LSD. I had been smoking opiated hash. I had made, with old Boone's Farm stuff, a, 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 a trash can full of liquor and green alcohol. I mean, we had it all going, Right? And somewhere in the process, somebody gave me some speed, some other stuff. I just chucked that down and took that too. Well, about 12 o'clock at night, I realized I had poisoned my body, and I was trembling hard. But I never lost lucidity. I never lost my bearings of who I was. And I remember then there was some other things going on, and at some point the police were in the neighborhood, and everybody abandoned my apartment and cleaned it out so there wasn't any evidence there, Right? And walking out in kind of a dreary evening and realizing I was really trembling bad and my body was shaking. And what I'm going to share with you is something abnormal. Never happened to me again, never happened to me before. But while I was out there and I was contemplating where I needed to go to the hospital and get treated because I was hallucinating, but I always had a very strong mind and was very much still in control of what was going on. And I knew what I'd done. And all I can tell you is, all of a sudden, it seemed like the accuser, not verbal, didn't hear anything, but the words came into my mind, you have departed from God. You've turned your back on God. 
you're the worst of sinners. And I was. He was right. But at the same time, anybody know Ephesians 2, 8, 9? Can you say it? Yes. That came into my mind. For by grace you are saved, by faith. And it's like, I've been trying to reach God in all these different ways and I've never found him. And yet he's been reaching out to me the whole time. And then he said, yeah, but you're, you're a miserable sinner and you turned your back on your home. And so more scriptures came into mind and, and I realized it's by grace, it's not by anything I do. And so that night, that spiritual battle going on in my mind, it went down by a light pole near Chick's Beach and I prayed, and I was praying, and I said, now, Lord, if that cop car comes around again, I'm in deep trouble. Because I can imagine trying to explain to him what I was doing while my eyes were fully dilated and everything else. So then I got up, and I went down to the beach, and I prayed, and I poured my heart out to God. And I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know exactly. I don't know that I can even understand this. But I want to give my heart to you. Well, here's what happened next. I couldn't go to sleep. I was tripping really bad. About 5 o'clock in the morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I fell asleep finally. And I woke up a little after 5. And this May in my life was one of the biggest mistakes Satan had ever made. Because now I was clearly sober, right? And the same thing started all over again. You've turned your back on God. You've turned your back on your family. You know, you're this disgusting, miserable person. And it was like, you're right. And I started hearing the Holy Spirit speaking, not verbally, but in my mind. And I remember being down there and saying, Lord God, I don't understand this at all. This is all new to me. But I certainly recognized the scriptures. And I said, Satan, you really blew it. Because I might have woke up that morning and said, you know, that was just a bad trip and that was it. But now I was sober, and the same thing was going all over again. I says, you know, you should have left me alone. And I gave my life again to God that very morning, and I haven't turned back from him ever since. But I was a waste. I was headed, it wouldn't have been many years, I'd either been in jail or I'd been dead. I was dealing drugs, I was doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. And for that reason, I want to open... And I'm going to weave in and out of this this morning with God's word because God has blessed me. I've, part of my background is I do have a master's in theology, went to Trinity Evangelical School, helped start Youth Vision in Pennsylvania, still uh, outreach ministry, release time ministry, the 400 students going on today. 19 years ago, we started praying with the president of the company, Dallas Barnes. And then as that grew, that ministry grew, now we have 1,800 employees at Meharan Ag, Severin Peanut Company, and so on. But we have Meharan on Mission and Ministry Action Team, MAT, and Caring Teams. We have um, five caring teams. We have 12 members on the MAT team, and then we have our board. And we're raising about three-quarter of a million dollars a year to go to disaster relief, the scholarships with students and helping hands and helping people out. But it started meeting once a month. We had no idea where we would go, just praying. That's all we did. 
for a number of years. Finally, there was three. Then there was four. And then there was a team of us praying. Every month, for every prayer that came in, sometimes uh, several pages of prayers. And saying, Lord, what do you want to do? We didn't, never took a step until we felt led by God. And then it just continued to grow. Now we have 11 corporate chaplains all across the United States working with about 40-some locations with what we do. The irony is not everybody on our board is a Christian. But God's cut through all that stuff to accomplish his will. We're now assisting. We're working with Compassion International and International Church Ministries and helping plant churches overseas. God's wonderful, isn't he? Amen. But that's just stuff. Stuff that's going on. What's more important than anything I just said is God's word. And so this morning, I want to read out of this passage. And I will beg forgiveness because really, if I wanted to preach this, I'd need about three weeks. So maybe the clock will get a little bit long today. No. Um, so I'm going to take some pieces of it, if you will. Not the whole thing. But I want to read the scripture. We're looking at Luke. And I saw your, looked like your... Pew Bible was the ESV, which is, I love ESV. In many ways, it's a very accurate text. We'll look at that, not going to compare to other Bibles. Right? So let us read God's word, because everything that I say this morning is commentary. Everything I share this morning is coming from me. But this reading of God's word is his word. It's his truth. And if I don't say anything else... That's the thing that you need to get. It's more, than, more important than anything else that we do that, is that we honor God and we lift up his word because his word is powerful. It's like a two-edged sword. And just like it caught me way back in 1971, it'll capture you too. Beginning in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, didn't plan on this, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. FYI, I am a retired hog farmer. <laughs> and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. Oh, my land. You ever been in a hog barn? Have you ever been in a hog barn? <laughs> it stinks. Can you imagine eating their food? And yet he's longing after it. 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer be worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still, and that's important in this context, and that's where we get into it a little bit more later on, from a long way off, 
His father saw and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, if you dive into this a little bit, I'll pause here for a second. Because we always need to understand the context of this. But in tradition and in his day, had the other elders, other members of the community seen him, they would have gone out and stoned him before he ever made it home. Because how he had dishonored his family. His father knew that. And it's kind of interesting. It's another story. I'm not going to go there today. But it's around the same concept of, if you will, keeping a a light on, Motel 6. (laughs) Um, But keeping a light on and looking out. Because your son, you know, has gone astray. Your son has been lost or your daughter has been lost. And your hope is that one day, when you look out in the horizon, you're going to see them returning and coming back. And you want to greet them with open arms. Because what he did was wrong, yes. But, even today, I pray God doesn't judge me for my sins tomorrow. But God, who is perfect in every way, didn't forgive my sins before 1971. He forgave all my sins before 1971 and after 1971 and forevermore. Because Jesus died once for all, right? And so this father, who loves his son deeply, our father in heaven loves you deeply. And there's no sin that you may be in right now. There's no sin in your life that is greater than his forgiveness. Do you believe that? Let's go Baptist. Do you believe that? All right. And it's the truth. It's the truth. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Verse 24. If you get your Bible up and look at it. In fact, who wants to read it out loud? Read it. Do you not think in heaven, every time one of us repents and comes to God, that they don't celebrate? I don't think we understand. I don't believe even today I fully understand or can comprehend how deeply God loves me, loves you. Because I'm a wretch. I'm a mess. As my wife would say, hot mess. (laughs) But that's reality. And he knew it. And he sent his son for the worst to deliver us that we might know his real, the real depth of his love. Right? You know, I've written down a a couple of notes and I said, uh, you know, I'll I'll be bridging, I'll be a little eclectic today and going back and forth because I'm trying not to pull three weeks into one week, but just what God wants us to hear today. But I wrote this down this week, and I want to share it with you because, you know, I'd 
titled, I think, the messenger Alon Bennett asked me, he says, when failure clears the way for success, right? You couldn't be any more of a failure than this son was. He not only failed out in the world, he failed at home completely. He not only failed at home completely, he rejected his home. He rejected his father. He rejected his brother. Took everything he had, gathered it up. He was the party king. But he didn't expect a famine to hit the land. So we need to be ready, don't we, for the unexpected. God has a... An amazing way of taking us and bringing us to a point of humility. And it's a blessing. And when you're broken, and when you lose everything you've got, and sometimes for us as men and women with children, we experience that in many different ways. I remember I was working for Smithfield Carrolls. And I was overseeing building hog barns and all that kind of stuff. And there was a moratorium had sunk in in North Carolina. And I was getting ready to do a 40 finisher house up in Sussex County. And it was totally blocked and it was all political. And we, all, we had sort of a moratorium in Virginia even though it, legally there wasn't a moratorium. And at that time I had six kids and they were all small rugrats. And I knew at that point when I heard that my job was in jeopardy. And it wasn't long. So I tried reinventing myself. I did some really crazy stuff with energy and all that. I came up with a plan where I could save them $500,000 and $40,000. And I shared it with them. And I had Dominion Power and everybody all sitting there at the table was going to get them generators free that they didn't even have to pay for, for all the hog farms. And it fell on deaf ears. And I was like, what in the world? How many times can you go to your boss and say, look, I'm going to save you a half a million dollars? And then I'm going to make sure that you're saving money. And I'm going to replace all those old generators you got. And it just went flat. Well, I didn't know that those guys knew that there was going to be a buyout coming. And every one of their jobs was in jeopardy. And this was the last thing they were thinking about. But God knew. And it caused me to reshuffle a few things and do some stuff. And I can remember being in the office in tears. And it says, look, we're going to give you six months time to... Pack up, end up some things that you're doing. We're going to give you as much time as we can. Very, very forgiving, very, very uh, kind in that, in that. And I made the changes, which eventually led me to where I am now, 19 years ago. But isn't that the way God is? Sometimes, though, he breaks us, and sometimes he has to break us again. And failure is not always... The worst thing, and I say that this morning because if you're experiencing failure, if you're experiencing loss, and you're at your end, when you're at your end, you're also in the most pliable place in your life, like that young man who said, God, even the pigs are eating better than me. And certainly as servants, I have failed. I'm miserable. Can I come back? And the father said, yes. And we're going to celebrate. Celebrate? Why would you celebrate me? I'm this miserable brat. Right? Of course, we have the jealous brother. We're not getting into that today. 
He broke the cultural boundaries. He broke with his family life. He broke with God. And so I challenge you this morning, is that where you're at? Or is that what you've been experiencing? And I know, for the most part, we're largely Christians here, but sometimes even Christians get in bad spots too. But God is unchanging. His love is unchanging. His faithfulness is unchanging. And you may change, but he will never change. I don't know about you, but there's often times I come back and go, God, I am that grumpy old man. <laughs> and I wasn't kind to my wife today. I wasn't kind to my special needs son. And I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And one of the things raising kids, and now I'm trying to teach it to my 11 grandkids, is when you say you're sorry, mean it. And if you come up and you go, and you've done something wrong, you go, sorry. That doesn't do it. Right? No. Why are you sorry? What are you seeking forgiveness for? Are you really sorry? And so, as an adult, yeah, I find myself sometimes a little whiny. <laughs> Coming back and, yes, dear, you were right. Well, that's not an apology. No, you're right about that too. Give me a few more minutes. Let me try this again. Honey, I love you. And you were right. And I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? There's a difference, isn't there? Because it's about a relationship. What I got introduced to in 1971, it's not simply, okay, God, you know what's going on. It's not working out for me. I've made some mistakes. Please forgive me, and let's get on with it. Now, it's Lord God. I know you sacrificed everything on the cross for me. I know that you took on my sin. That I might have life eternal. And Lord, I've heard about your word, but I've, I've strayed away from it. And like the prodigal, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. Maybe this morning some need to come back home. And maybe it's not like, okay, I, just, I forgot who God was. No, I, I get that. But maybe you've been internally really struggling, right? Because it don't matter. I'll, I'll turn 71 this month. No matter how old you get, we struggle sometimes. We struggle with our flesh, with our self, so many different things. But God, again, God is un. God is unchanging. God is faithful when even we are unfaithful, because He first loved us. And this father represents the father in heaven. And what father, unless he's a bitter, grumpy old man, would not receive back his own children and love to be able to once again embrace them and celebrate. And so if you have older children, 
And they've been really messing up. Right? But they want to come back home. I hope your arms will be open. Why? And you will celebrate. And you will bring them back in. Just like God celebrates every time one of us receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. Just as God, every time we turn and we repent from our sin, he receives us back in as if we have not sinned. Right. Now. It's crazy. I'm going to look over here, and I look in this passage, I turn back to it. He was a selfish one. He met unpredictable circumstances, but he came to a point in his life. And if you want to go from failure to success, it also includes another ingredient, humility. You've got to be willing to say, I was wrong. Or I made a mistake. Because once you embrace who you really are, once you embrace your failures, your difficulties, and you embrace it before God, that humility puts you in a position where God can change your life. And you're on the road to success. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity. It doesn't guarantee all of a sudden you're going to have big money in the bank. Right? Sometimes it's, with your 401k, slow and steady growth. <laughs> but it means, in one sense, you just inherited the kingdom. And all this is yours. And God says, it's yours. He doesn't call us stepsons, stepdaughters, does he? Sons and daughters, fellow heirs, fellow heirs, drink it up, think about it. All the stuff that's going on today, all the struggles going on today. Oh man, did you hear about Russia and China? You know, they were over near Alaska and they were getting really close to the shores. And, and you know that Putin guy, he's, he's got nuclear stuff. And, uh, and then there's North Korea and that guy's definitely crazy, you know. Um, There is a lot of stuff going on. And so how narrow is your vision? Who are you focused on? Are you letting the world rule your life? The world guide your life? And you know you need to have nowadays. I can remember, I can remember with my father-in-law when he was, and this was a long time ago, made $50,000 a year. And that was like, wow. Right? I mean, that was crazy. I remember my dad bought his first home for $5,900. <laughs> you were making $50,000. You were almost like a millionaire back then. But it's just stuff. But sometimes we get caught up in this stuff. And, and you know, there's so many financial advisors out there. Well, you know, you, gotta get your, you do have your financial advisor, right? And you've got someone setting up your trust, right? And you've written your will and, and, you, and you've got an executor assigned... You know, you've, you have done all that, right? Not trying to make anybody anxious. It's stuff. Yes, there's responsible things we knew, but it's just stuff. 
And when we pass, it won't matter, but what you pass into will. And your relationship with God, that's where it's at. That's where the focal point needs to be. What is your relationship with God right now? Seriously. What is your relationship? Boy, I don't know if I like this guy. It makes me a little uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm talking mostly to Christians, so I'm talking to myself too. And I struggle sometimes. But I find myself coming back and saying, you know, God... I'm a hot mess. But I love you. And I know you love me. The son, the prodigal son was a hot mess. He woke up and realized, you know, I am worthless. And he really was worthless at that one point in time. He wasn't worth a penny. But he knew where love was. Somewhere in there, he understood that, you know what? Part of what got me in trouble was the fact that God, that my father loved me so much, he was willing to give me whatever I wanted. And that perhaps was a mistake. Because he gave him whatever he wanted. He gave him his inheritance. He gave him all, everything he wanted. But see, that won't change or help your heart. It wasn't what he needed. It was simply what he wanted. And what God wants is your heart. And he understands your struggle with what's going on in this world. And he understands the stuff of this world. And that's where we need to lean into him. That's where we need to, in one sense, repent and come home spiritually, mentally. Be willing to admit, I have messed up. And I need you. But remember his response. He's going to celebrate. It's hallelujah. He who was lost has come home. Say it with me. He who was lost has come home. Come home. Come home. I love the fact that they shared this at the beginning, but then you go all the way back down to the end. The very last verse in 1532. And I like the way he starts this. He says, it was fitting to celebrate. It was the right thing to do. All the brothers over there, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He sold his inheritance. Of course, we have that dialogue a little bit later on. It says, really, the Father says, all that I have is yours. But he who has lost has come home. And that's how God feels about every one of us. Every one of us. He cares about you deeply. Right? He loves you. So, we come back over here and we... Look at this passage and let it stand on itself. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead. He's going to hell. He's dead to God and is alive. He was lost and is found. And 
I used to say something to folks, and I said, you know, I remember being up in Illinois and being on the shipway and uh, on the rocks, actually, and we go out there, and we get up about 4 o'clock in the morning and get out there so we could fish for coho salmon. I think at the time it was about, valued at about $15 a pound, so we tried to get some 10, 12-pounders. A lot of times there were six-pounders. Take them back to the seminary and grill them up, and we had all kinds of friends when we did that. But it was, the irony is, is there was one day, and, and we, tried to, we went down to buy Moody's and we did street evangelism and a lot of different things. But Gary Kerfman and Robbie and I would go down there and we would fish. And we were killing it. We were getting salmon. Nobody else was. And uh, then there was this law. There was no fish hitting. And God has a funny way of bringing conviction, right? So we're kind of looking at each other. We're looking around. And I stuffed a little forceps piece of God in my back pocket as a guide to what I was going to do. And I'm kind of pushing through it and throwing a few more casts. And the Lord's speaking to my conscience like, you know what you need to be doing? Stop fishing for fish and start fishing for men. They're mostly Hispanic. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I can communicate to them. I'm still trying to fish, right? Okay. <laughs> so I go down, and I, uh, Jose, I think it was his name, and I, I start talking to Jose, and, and he understands hearing it, but he speaks a little bit of broken English, but not much. I says, I'd like to share something with you. Okay. I'm like, all right. I was really resistant at this point in time, so okay, I get it, Lord. You, you really want me to change gears. So, so my, my attitude had to change on the spot, and it did. And I began reading the first steps to God. It says, do you understand that? Yeah. And everything, and, and what do you think about God? So we, with the broken English, talked a little bit, and I went to the next, and got down to, would you like to accept Christ into your heart? Yes, I would. And I was like, what a resistant dummy. I'm thinking about myself. You know, you're down here, God's allowed to get down, you've been harvesting the fish, and this is what I really wanted you to hear for, for him. You know, like Jonah in the well. <laughs> and it was just a beautiful experience, and we prayed together. Here's what's really cool. Back in that day, they would take fire extinguishers, and they would set up jigs, and they would shoot them out in the lake. I never figured out how to do that. I was always just doing cast. So he had a line out there, and you put a bell on it. What happened? No sooner that he finished praying... Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. He had a fish on his line. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, God, I think, and, and I laughed a little bit at myself, and, and God, I think God laughs too. When we partner with him, when we tune into him, he has a wonderful way of blessing, does he not? So, um, let's pray together. I'm going to end it there. And... Uh, didn't give you all the specific technical things of success to get there, but let me ask a few additional questions as we get ready to pray. The prodigal son was a young man who in his understanding and in the eyes of the world experienced all that he desired. All that may be idolized. He had money, he had women, he experienced everything the world had to offer until he ran through all the inheritance he had. Now he was stone cold broke. He had no home. He had no job. He had no place to rest and he had no food. 
he was broken. And realized even his father's servants were better off than he was. But he had tossed it all away. True? What were his first steps back? If we want to be practical about this word this morning. What was his first step back? Realizing his situation. And admitting his sin. If there's something going on in you today and you realize your situation, God's simply saying, come and confess. Admit what's going on. Would he be forgiven or rejected? God's going to receive him back. Could he have been stone cold, stoned to death? Absolutely. Culture would have done it. But what we saw in this message, there is a road to success even in failure. And it takes a lot of humility on our part. A willingness to say, God, I am sorry. Dad, I am sorry. But we have a father with an unending, unlimited love and capacity. Let's pray. Father, I pray that all of us would know the road to success. It's not the same kind of success the world talks about. It's not how you pad your 401k. It's not about how you go out and party and so many other different things. And everybody has a different issue or stuff that they're dealing with. But the simplest part of this message is recognizing our sin. Being humble and coming to God and say, Lord God, I failed. Will you forgive me? Will you receive me? Because I believe in the sacrifice Jesus made for me to forgive all my sin. Please come in and sup with me and I with you. If that's your prayer in your heart, I'm not one that's going to ask you to lift your hands. What I'd say is if you've made changes or you've simply been refreshed and had to put things straight with God, then you talk to your pastor, Ben. Let him know, you know, God spoke to me this morning through his word, God's word. Amen.